0: Marty, you promised me Jeff Bezos on this show. You promised me Jeff Bezos. And we've got Dr. Mike Dixon. And he isn't, he isn't even an astronaut. He's not an astronaut. The there's Jeff Bezos. Now, now there's Jeff Bezos. Yet.
1: Yeah. Okay. Amazon could collapse. You know, Joe Biden and all these guys are going to actually start taxing these guys. They're going to have to pay tax. So who knows?
0: You're not be on no space shuttle. You're not be on a space shuttle, Justin. He might be lucky if he can afford...
1: But well, if, if, he's further Dodge.
0: Than, if he's 12 miles outside his own country for more than six months of the year, he wouldn't pay any tax. That's true.
1: Good point well made. Yeah. <laughs> I think he'd be all right. <laughs> all right. We are joined by an actual proper academic, uh, visionary man who's, whose project has left these earthly confines and is now up in the ether there somewhere. Dr. Mike Dixon. Welcome.
2: How are you? I'm just fine, thanks. And you guys sound like you're doing all right as well.
1: Yeah, well, I I have a Guinness. I'm doing okay.
0: (laughs) I've already sneakily opened my my, my Japanese whiskey.
1: (laughs) I joke you. I'm giving you. Mm. Now, the reason you're on is you have a project where you have barley in space. (laughs) What's this all about? How did this come about? It's a
2: bit of a bucket list issue for me. I want to put barley on the moon. And uh, a stepping stone is the International Space Station. So uh, just uh, last week, they moved my bar, And it it does have an an incremental advance in the science of going to space and using plants for human life support. So uh, uh, we need to know how they'll fare in the harsh environment of, the radiation, the wild temperature swings outside the space station. So these barley seeds are actually sitting on what's called the Missy platform. And don't ask me what that acronym means.
1: <laughs> now, the, the idea, let me get the idea of this. This is to see how the effect of cosmic rays and radiation affect the, the, the barley, the constituent parts of the barley. And um, It's up there. It's coming back again.
2: Yep. So it, it, uh, I'm, I'm. the radiation is one issue. Uh, the really dramatic swings in temperature, plus or minus 200 degrees Celsius, depending on whether you're in the sun or the shade uh, outside the station. Um, so I, what I want to know is, will the seeds still germinate after yeah. that kind of extreme exposure? So we'll start to put the brackets around. The environment conditions, which are uh, life support machine, in this case, the barley seeds, and they'll be life support in more than one way, as you can imagine. So, uh,
0: so, this is this is part of all the tomato spheres thing that's been going for 20 years, which has been distributing seeds of tomatoes that have been in space on and off for, for 20 years to school children. I take it school children aren't going to get the final product of the barley
2: no uh, unfortunately that's reserved for me um we'll we'll do germination trials on the on the, the package a the small part of the payload that was outside the station i've also left some inside the station uh, similar to the way we've been doing tomato seeds um, or tomato seeds for, for the last uh, 20 years as you noted uh, for the tomatosphere experiment that's uh, once again, just an incremental step in, uh, and a very real scientific step that 10 uh, year olds do across Canada. And there's been over 4 million students involved in that project since 2000. So wow. great fun, just a just a hoot dealing. You know, you, you tell a, a bunch of 10 year olds in an auditorium uh, that the first Canadian horticultural mission specialists on the first trip to mars is in grade three today and you can hear a pin drop it's quite inspiring
1: it is it is inspiring and a lot of people uh, say that you know that space exploration is extremely expensive and you know it's very costly but it's the real life practicalities of this i mean moving food from one area to another within you know keeping it edible you have to say it's space but it's real life applications and, and so on how do you see your uh, experiment having real real life applications
2: well food determines how far from earth we can go and how long we can stay and uh, you know, figuring out the technologies required to raise, to grow food in the really harsh environment of space gives us technology transfer to areas, harsh environments here on Earth. I live in Canada. Uh, Northern Canada suffers a, a food security issue that is quite economically painful and uh, coming up with technological solutions to growing uh, food in a snowbank in Yellowknife is uh, is one of the tech transfer. You, you mentioned that that space exploration is very expensive. Indeed, it is. But you spend the money in your economy. You don't spend the money on Mars or the Moon. You spend the money in the Canadian or the UK or even the Irish economy.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I I I think that the single greatest achievement of mankind was setting foot on the moon, and that the, the real world applications for that have been incalculable. Incalculable. Never mind the inspiration of it. The the, the real world in terms of logistical supplies and new management techniques and you know the the, the technology of actual engineering is just incalculable. J-
2: now, just the economic engine element of that activity. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in Canada, the the Canadarm, the robotic arm that we're so proud of uh, has generated, you know, just the economic engine of that element of our minor contribution to human space exploration. So the next Canadarm is going to be the biological life
1: support system. It's it's fascinating, it really is. the, the seeds are coming back to Earth. Now they have been exposed to the heat different, the heat difference, you know, the variation in temperature and, and the cosmic radiation and so on and so forth. It, it, when it comes back down, are you going to be monitoring the, the, what proteins are in it and, and you know, is it nitrogen going to be affected? And you know, how do you foresee it being different?
2: Uh, initially, I'm mostly interested in in their survival did did the seeds survive that harsh environment and can they germinate uh, thereafter we can start looking deeper into you know did the radiation influence any genetic uh, uh or changes and we'll see that in successive generations with space heritage and, and the seeds that stay in the station where I know that they will survive because we've got 20 years of Tomatosphere that to teach us that that's okay. Um, So uh, those seeds are the ones that will multiply up uh, with space heritage in their bones, if you will, and and use that use that crop uh, to produce the uh, space whiskey. How did now, you
0: first get involved with, with uh, the Scottish distilleries uh, behind Glenlivet? How, how did how did you make the connection with them in the first place?
2: Well, I've uh, I spent eleven years as a convener for the one of the malt whiskey tasting societies here in Canada. Oh, and uh, and that that uh, gave me the the background I needed. I Hosted many uh, Scotch tastings and still do, as a matter of fact. Um, so that, that gave me the context. And then uh, it, it's been, as I said, a bucket list issue for me to take plants into space, but in particular, barley. Barley is my, my prime guinea pig, and I'm, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, at the mo- I'm actually responsible for having barley officially listed on the uh, human space exploration uh, initiatives. For plants, uh, there's a candidate crop list of uh, specific plants that are good for humans, for human life support, and barley is on that
1: list. Like, I see an ulterior motive than saying <laughs> oh, we're going to feed the we're going to feed the astronauts, we're going to feed the Martian Martianauts, or whatever they're going to be called whenever they get there. Ah yeah feed them yeah <laughs> we'll take up some we'll take up some copper chipping as well <laughs>
2: Well fight. the reality of human exploration in general just in all of recorded human history and probably before everywhere we go we end up making alcohol everywhere we do. without exception uh, no matter how harsh or whatever we we end up making alcohol and it's my Decision that it's going to be the good stuff,
1: I, 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 Justin. I think this is this is a, a peach of a find we've found oh, here. Listen, this is, this um, is a we we found a great guy.
0: Up up with a, good with us. a good question. You know, why terroir is all the rage at the minute? How does uh, that how does that affect the terroir? There's
2: Ooh. an excellent question and a good one for a scientist. So I'll uh, I'll delve into that as deeply as I possibly can. <laughs>
1: We, what we need to do is we need to get Grace O'Reilly from Waterford on to discuss what what, what stuff like in, from Hookhead and what it's like from the International Space Station <laughs> and see <how> <laughs> Murrays up. Now I, I've, I've been thinking about this interview all day and I was thinking about what would happen if the guys on the ISS had had, a, had some whiskey? Would it be a couple of American guys go you see the Russian did you see this will be a laugh. <laughs> <ejected out>. oh. <laughs> you know, oh, what's that button do? <laughs> <laughs> there,
2: there's some pretty strict rules of engagement on the space. Station. I, would, I
1: would have thought so, but I think whenever there's lots of lots of whiskey involved, that maybe, maybe the, the rules of engagement will be <laughs> chucked out the window somewhat. Um, right, there's talk about people going to the moon within. You know, within a very short period of time, realistically, yeah. and and I I assume the the plans of that related to the, the barley experiment are to terraform the, the moon to to you know to to, to and to grow crops. Now, yeah. Can you see that being a viable possibility, or you know how how would that work?
2: Not not terraforming. Where there there is no place in our solar system. There isn't a moon or a planet in our solar system that at this moment, or even probably for the next hundred years, that we could consider terraforming. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll have to have some kind of controlled environment, some sort of uh, protected dome-like whatever. Uh, The the engineering of the the protection that will require has yet to be done, but Mm -hmm. we still have to ask some simple questions like, uh, do we like the radiation environment on the moon or Mars? And if not, then what sort of engineering do we have to approach to uh, to mitigate those and, and allow us to have long-term exploration activities and uh, build up incrementally the, the life support requirements?
1: Yeah, and, and in terms of the various crops, I mean, obviously you need a, a basic vitamin requirement, a basic um, sustenance requirement for for every individuals. And how, how do you see barley initially doing that before you get to the stage where you're going to make whiskey on Mars. <laughs> well,
2: as a matter of fact, 25, 26 years ago when I joined that committee, Candidate Crop Selection Committee, uh, it was chaired by a, an eminent plant physiologist, Frank Salisbury, uh, who has since passed away, but nevertheless, he was the chair of that committee. And I was my, it was my first meeting attending at Kennedy Space Center, and I proposed as the Canadian uh, delegate uh, uh, barley and roses as my candidate crops. And roses were uh, kicked out immediately because you can't afford the mass and energy cost of growing a plant that you can't eat because food drives the equation. Okay. So then I put put barley on the table, and, and I justified it with that comment about human exploration, and how we always end up making whiskey or <laughs> alcohol of some sort. And I determined that it, it, it's gonna be the good stuff. Well, the chairman, Frank Salisbury, didn't even laugh and he rejected it because of that rationale. And what I didn't appreciate was that Frank was a teetotal Mormon from Utah, oh. <laughs> right? and And, and I, many years later, I was giving a talk at a at a conference, and Frank and his wife were in the front row of that, at that uh, in that audience. And I told that anecdote just like that, uh, and looked him right in the eye, and he still didn't laugh. <laughs> but his wife, his wife did. In any case, uh, my my good friend Ray Wheeler at Kennedy Space Center is now. I was
0: going to say, which wife laughed? <laughs> But but the but the woke crowd will be after us. <laughs> yeah.
2: He only had one, so All right. it's not that, he's not that brave. But uh, Ray Wheeler is now the chair of that committee, and he and I, uh, in collusion, have officially put barley on the candidate crop list for human space exploration.
1: I I, I find the whole thing endlessly fascinating. Uh, because More, and it's fun, it's fun, and that's all. Life should be fun. That's the but, point.
0: But it, it sounds like dead serious stuff here. Uh, yeah, Mike. I mean, do, do, do you have to spec? Do they specify the box, the size, the shape, how it's done? Because the astronauts have to be able to, you know, sort of do all the germination and stuff like that, don't they? And, and look A- absolutely.
2: Actually, with this this payload of barley seeds, they're just seeds up in a in a a payload package that was prepared by a company called alpha space in texas and uh uh, and then they're just coming back so then we just you know we we do the horticulture with the seeds when they come back and hopefully end up with a significant enough crop that we can uh, make a significant batch of uh, malted barley so that's but the next phase and we're in we're in uh uh Halfway through now, an initial project designing the, uh, the production system, if you will, the, the growth chamber, the, the, the greenhouse system that will grow barley on the moon uh, within the next two and at most three years. So late 23, uh, early 24, There it'll be a robotic uh, mission and we'll, uh, we'll put and, and you'll see a picture of a barley plant growing in a window. Uh, with the moon in the background. That'll, that'll be the money shot that we're looking for.
1: So within within three years, you're saying we'll be growing crops on the moon?
2: It'll be a pretty small-scale system. The, the main objective, the science objective, will be to figure out what kind of uh, mass and energy. That's the currency of space travel. The money, yeah. as I said, you spend in our economy. So what's the mass and energy cost of uh, maintaining an environment in which a plant can grow and provide food and oxygen and fresh water recycling and CO2 scrubbing, all of the factors of human life support. So we need to know uh, what are the, uh, what kinds of conditions can we maintain and what is the energy cost of doing that on the moon? That's, I mean, it's just, I
1: find that endlessly fascinating. But I'm going to (laughs) have to there. I, Oh, I, absolutely. I, 100%, I'm certain sure of of (laughs) the human being, the guy who, the guy who came out of the cave, the cave man who came out and said to himself, I wonder what's on the other side of that. That's, that's, those are the people who, who progress humankind. Those are the people who all advances come from, you know, Um, and all of that's fascinating, but, I have to get to the question, when this barley comes back to earth and you're planting it and germinating it and doing all your stuff and heading towards malt, is there a chance that in a few years' time it'll be in a cask somewhere uh, and and could, could for a chance it come in liquid form?
2: Absolutely. That is the plan. Uh, we're, we're discussing as we speak, we're discussing with the, uh, the, the, uh, the management of the Glenlivet Distillery, uh, who, who's my partner in this. Uh, we're discussing just the next phases. You know, once we deal with the horticulture, uh, somebody's got to make the whiskey and those guys are really good at it, it turns
1: mm-hmm. out. So uh, uh, that'll be their job. That'll be their job. They have plenty of practice in doing that, you know. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> I, another thing that popped into my head as well, and I know this is being a bit comic, when it was in space, the Fantastic Four performed <laughs> in space. I'm coming back, are they going to have superpowers? Well, well, <laughs> that,
0: you know, that's what I was thinking too, Mori. I was thinking, uh, GM crops, does it have to be... Uh, uh, ushered about like a GM crop, the way some countries don't like GM crops getting into Mm -hmm. the sort of normal ecosystem. Are there concerns about things like that with uh, the in space?
2: At the moment? No, I I can't conceive of any. uh, You know, there may be some genetic modifications imposed by the, the the radiation exposure, but that's yet to be determined. And, and those are the kinds of questions we have to ask now. That's yeah. the kind of science issue that must be addressed. And so we've got all of these. I'm going to have a job for a good long time. <laughs> There's a lot of things that need to be addressed step by step um, and, and incrementally advanced. It's not going to happen overnight. Uh, but it, it, at some point, we must have, that's the, the beauty of it, we must have what I call biological life support. We must have plant-based life support systems because we can't afford the mass and energy cost of shipping food and water and oxygen to Mars indefinitely. That's not possible. We simply can't do that. No. So we will figure out how to grow you know, beans, peas, corn, the usual suspects in a vegetarian diet, but we're also gonna grow
1: barley. A couple of things. Just to turn that on its head, if these seeds come down and they're not viable, do you see a genetic modifi- modified crop going back up to test? You know, do I the, don't the think so. genetic modification here to head head it back up to? to no, to test? I,
2: I think if we if we learn that uh, space exposure influences the genetic complement of our plants of our seeds, then the technical solution is to protect the plants and the seeds from the, the radiation, the way we do astronauts, we wrap astronauts in a cocoon of a space station that has, uh, you know, considerable amount of radiation shielding. Yeah. So we we will devise that. I mean, and that's the sort of question you want to ask on the surface of the moon and Mars as well. How elaborate do you have to make the container to grow the plants in? uh do you need to worry about radiation uh you know on a short-term crop that 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 you harvest and eat immediately the the odds are pretty slim that there will be some dramatic differences but you never know and that's you never know that's my that's my job figure that out do you
1: think go ahead justin sorry
0: do, do you think that you would like to go to space yourself someday uh if it was, say, in 20 years' time, you know, cost-effective to send somebody like yourself into space, would would you go? Because Jeff Bezos is putting his money where his mouth is, and he's going yeah. with his brother. I mean, would, would you like to go? I mean, I'm one of these people, I wouldn't be too comfortable going down in the submarine, and I certainly wouldn't want to go into space, even if somebody was paying for me. I would go in a heartbeat. <laughs> well,
1: by the way, I'll just I'll just clarify that I would go in a heartbeat, and I would pay through the nose to go. But anyway, I, I digress.
2: Yeah, I, I think I I know a lot of astronauts. Uh, I know most of the Canadian astronauts, and and some of the American. And uh, one of the issues is that uh, motion sickness is is a is a plague among people who go to space, especially first timers. And I, I suffer terribly from car sickness, uh, have since I was a kid, and so I wouldn't be a good candidate. <laughs> right. However, having notwithstanding that, I suppose you could pump me full of drugs and,
0: and uh, <laughs> make
2: it go away. But uh, yeah, I, it it would be absolutely phenomenal oh, to uh, to get up there, you know, about three or four hundred kilometers and look down on Earth. Um, or, or to a, get walk on the moon. Good just
1: being oh, the most magical thing to see, you know, just to see with your own eyes. I mean, the pictures, you watch it on, on screen and it looks, it just looks otherworldly, which it is really, but it's your home planet. But, you know, but it just to actually see it with your own eyes, it just must be incredible. Um, there, one of the things I'm just thinking is the first, the next person to land on the moon, going to be designed to stay there. Why? Because possibly they have crops, you know, a, a long term. So basically the first people to live on the moon are going to be vegans. And are we going mm-hmm. to hear them saying, I'm a vegan from the moon? Because normally <laughs> normally vegans, quite quick to tell you they're vegans. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: they, they don't necessarily need to be vegan. They need to be vegetarian. But to having said that, I'm just about to meet uh, a company in Argentina. Meet the the, the uh, senior management of this company in Argentina that use plants to make uh, to make meat, basically to to yeah. make animal protein, um, and and it of course is a genetic modification that achieves that. Uh, so you never know. Uh, never know. Okay. Or there's always. There's always Star Trek type, uh, you know, we can 3D print the stuff. <laughs> 3D print me <meat>
0: burgers. <laughs> what, what do they call that, the, the replicator or something like that? Do, do, you think yes. will, do you think it will get to that one day?
2: Uh, sure. Yeah, it's it's almost there now. Uh, you know, it, I'm, I'm serious. 3D printing isn't instant, but uh, you can 3D print just about anything.
1: As wow. technology just moves so quickly, and and the, yeah. the possibilities for it are endless. Now, you're a whiskey drinker yourself. You've already said this. Um, give us an indication I'll, of I'll your. Send you the picture
2: to, pr- to prove it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> give us an indication of your whiskey preferences.
2: I'm a side guy. I'm not Seriously. a real fan. I'm not a real fan of the Western Islands, uh, the Isla's. Uh... The the smoky peaty medicinal kind of stuff doesn't doesn't turn my crank, but the the you know the the sherry cask aging and the space hide <clears throat> whiskeys the McCallans and the yeah. uh, Glenlivets and Glenfittics and uh, oh Balvenie,
1: uh, Can is one of my favorites. I love a Balvenie. I think Balvenie's. Yeah. I mean, for for cost for quality. And 20, really
2: 21 related. year old, actually, 21 year old anything from the Spey River is just. I thought <laughs> a bit Irish. Do you have a preference? I, I, I was not much into Irish whiskeys, but of course, I went to Ireland with my brother. Uh, we walked into a pub that claimed to be the oldest pub in Ireland. And it was just down the street from the other pub that claimed to be the oldest <laughs> pub. And, uh, but indeed, indeed it was a, an old, you know, I had to duck. It was, uh,
1: you know,
2: people were smaller back then, but I, I just asked the bartender, told him that I was a complete novice with Irish whiskey, uh, and, and for him to propose something. And, uh, uh, the, he, he didn't even bat an eye. He just reached around and grabbed a, um oh jesus now i'm going to forget the name of it <clears throat> it's a jameson's product but it's no longer red done. breast hey thank you <laughs> yes red <laughs> breast and i and uh it was a 12 year old red breast i've since uh i've since gotten into uh 12 15 and 21 year old red breasts mm. and uh they're all excellent i, I oh, yeah. they they uh and and i went to the uh, my brother and i went to the the whiskey uh, museum in uh where would but that it, have been
1: opposite Just, it Trinity. It? Oh, it Trinity university uh
2: i guess so yeah in any case um uh, we went in there and we were the only ones there and uh, uh the the young lady behind the bar laid out a, a, a whole bunch of the uh, red breast and other james products, and uh uh, we had a, and this was 10 o'clock in the morning,
1: so <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> you do. Yeah. you're, you're yeah. on, you're on holiday. Everything's all free. There's no consequence, no repercussions for being on holiday. You know, that, that's, that's, no, cool. I know,
2: I know. Actually, you mentioned Trinity college. I had a, an ancestor, uh, who was a professor at Trinity college back in the day, back in the 1800s, 1895. And, uh, uh, was quite famous in that he figured out how plants pulled water up and it, it just so happened that that was the core of my academic experience as a as a phd student in edinburgh
0: right it, it, does scientific work run in the family or is it just sort of coincidence do you think
2: i think it's just a coincidence uh henry henry dixon was uh a professor at Trinity College, uh, the, the, the professor, the head of the of the department there, um, and and quite famously devised the cohesion theory of sap in plants. Who right. you knew? And I, and I ended up investigating just that and and proved him right. Actually, he was doing a whole lot of stuff without modern technology, and a hundred years later, I come along and and uh, and prove him right with modern technology. Brilliant,
1: but uh, now, for whatever you say, quite famously, as a, a kind of a relative thing, you know, <laughs> <laughs> famous in certain circles. It's not Kardashian yeah. famous, but no. famous. <laughs> <laughs> True but, that, mate. It has been an absolute pleasure, and um, we'll catch up with you when when the, the the seeds come back to back to earth, and I, I six really six months. M- six months we'll get a catch up with you maybe maybe a bit after that because we'll give you time to get an analysis done and i really look forward to it and in a few years time we'll get hopefully purchase a bottle of whiskey from space you know well you
2: you you won't be able to afford it marty
0: (laughs) no no but neither will i no justin's buying it (laughs) (laughs) that's no problem (laughs) man you you don't know how much he spends on whiskey You don't know how much he spends on whiskey. Don't, don't, Um, don't. don't, don't. (laughs) All right, I won't go there. won't go there. I will cut that bit out. We'll cut that bit out. Thank you very much.
1: All the best. Thank you. Bye. Uh, All right.
2: Cheers, guys.